We're in a series called Back to Basics, and uh, we've been saying it this way. You know, Paul, many of his writings, uh, he would start off by saying, hey, I know that you already know this. I know that you're familiar with this. You've, you've probably heard this before, but he would say, it's good that I remind you. Let me remind you of this, because we're just people who forget stuff. Like, we just get forgetful, and um, they say even, you know, when you have a vision and organization has a vision, uh, they say vision leaks. Just even over time, you kind of just forget about what it's all about. And Paul's saying, let's go back to the basics. Let's remind ourselves of things that are important. Jesus himself actually said, um, one time he gave a rebuke. He was talking about how he's like, you guys, you can forecast the weather. You can look at the sky and tell what the weather is going to be and all this kind of stuff. He said, but you can't discern the time that you're living in. You can't understand the time that you're living in. And so there's actually this call on us to, to not only like remember stuff and stay focused on the basics and the fundamentals and the foundations that God has laid for us, but he's also saying you got to pay attention to the time that you're living in. And so that's what I think getting back to the basics helps helps us do is, uh, is getting back to the basic, to the foundation of, of the core things in our life. And so last week I wasn't here. And uh, since I wasn't here last week, I, I thought that I would bring a sermon that you hate. Uh, I would bring it today. Uh, I figured since you missed me a little bit, you might have a little bit of like, you miss me. And so your tolerance would be up a little bit. And so today I brought a message that you're just not going to like. And, uh, and then that's okay. It'll be all right after next week. But uh, I want to talk today about the basic or the fundamental uh, or we get to remind ourselves uh, of the importance of stewardship, financial stewardship. It is a pillar. It is a core of the way that God has called us to live. People say, oh, the money talk in church and oh, this makes me, oh, I don't want to hear about money in church. But listen, Jesus cared so much about us getting stewardship right that he talked more about money than he did prayer and faith combined. Combined. Now, I know it's been abused in church and the prosperity gospel has been something that we've seen hammered and abused and, and we hate that. Uh, and that's not this kind of church. But I do believe this, that God did put in laws and principles when it comes to our resources, that if we follow God's way of doing things, we're going to see great fruit in our life. Can I get an amen? So this isn't a uh, prosperity message. This isn't anything like that. Uh, but here's what I believe. If Jesus spoke that much about money and it was that important to him, how much more so should it be important to the church to talk about it? Now, it would be a huge disservice if as your pastor, I said, oh man, people, people don't like to hear about money in church. People don't like to hear about stewardship and debt and budget and all these things. They don't like to hear about that. Let's not preach about it. What a ripoff that would be if I was a cowardly pastor like that. Oh, well, since you don't want to hear about it, I'm not going to talk about it. We preach the whole truth at this church. Amen. One of the reasons it's so important for us to talk about it is because it's one of the major stressors. Jesus said, I've came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. I've come to bring you freedom. And so whenever his people, his children are bound in stress or bound by something that is hard to carry, uh, that hurts his heart. And so he said, hey, here's some laws and principles. Here's some things that I've set you up in to thrive. So the stress and pressure of money is not God's design for your life. Can I get an amen? I was flying to Atlanta uh, last week with the guy, a guy who oversees all of Chick-fil-A's marketing. So he's over all their stuff. Now they do a whole bunch of stuff. Of course, you see the eat more chicken commercials and they got a bowl game and all these things that they do. And we were talking about just kind of the economic forecast. And uh, I just am a learner. And so I like to ask questions. So I was kind of bending this dude's ear to see how uh, they were planning on marketing and, and how they saw sales going in, in the next year with inflation and all the different things. And so I was just learning, learning, learning. And then he 
said, you know, as a believer, he was a believer as well. He said, you know, the greatest thing about the advantage we have as believers, as businessmen, but also as people, is um, we'd get to know this. No matter inflation, no matter the forecast, no matter the times, no matter the government, no matter the leaders, no matter what that is, all we have to do is follow the scripture and we're going to be fine. We get to stick to the same old laws and principles and God's going to bless our life. Amen. So it doesn't matter what it looks like. We just get to get back to the basic of God's truth and we're going to be okay. Amen. And I thought about it this way. You hear me say this all the time. If, if the enemy can't destroy you, if he can't take you out through some crazy thing, maybe, maybe get you hooked on some crazy drug or some sort of situation, if he can't destroy your life, he'll distract you in life. He'll get you in a place where you can't fulfill your purpose. You can't walk in all that God has designed for you because you're so distracted. And one of the ways that he does it is through financial pressure. If he can get you in debt, if he can get you so burdened by the, the, the things that you have to carry and the money that you have to make and the keeping up with the Joneses, then he can get you to miss your purpose and miss your assignment. And I believe we're living in a time and an hour where the enemy's doing a great job of getting people stuck on self and greed and things, and we're missing our assignments. Listen to the pressure that is being put on people's lives because of finances. 94% of married couples who were surveyed admit to arguing about money, not once in a while, but monthly. Almost every marriage in America says, yeah, we have issues with money. We have problems in our marriage because of money. It's the number two reason for divorce. Reason number one is infidelity. Somebody's cheated. Someone's been unfaithful. That's the number one reason. The number two reason is finances. It's money. It's the pressure of of, of keeping up and how things are going. 59% of households in America live paycheck to paycheck. That's six out of every 10 people. Uh, Literally, you could say in this room or any room, six out of every 10 people live paycheck to paycheck. How many know that is not God's design for your life? 66% of Americans do not have enough money to retire at age 65, and only 21% of Americans have enough money uh, for retirement. Or, or, yeah, 21% of them, uh, I'm sorry, have no retirement. 21% of Americans have no, no retirement. They have nothing in place for their future. And so there's this tremendous pressure. The average American, this is unbelievable, the average American spends $1.45 for every $1 they earn. You're spending 45% higher than you're even earning. You say, how is that possible? Well, it's because the mortgage is a loan and the cars are on loan and the credit cards are all run up. So you earn a dollar, but then you turn around and spend 45 more cents on top of that. How many of you know that's not God's design for how we steward our money? There's 300 million Americans who are active in credit lines so there's 300 million Americans that actively have some sort of credit line open. But listen to this. With 300 million Americans having credit lines, there are 1.06 billion active credit cards. We don't just have one credit card. We have handfuls of credit cards. And I realize there's many of you who say, well, this one gets me a discount here and discount here and discount here. Yeah, and also throws your back out of alignment because your wallet's that big, you know. <laughs> the Peasley's got to come in and fix you all up, and it's this whole thing. But that is a ton of credit cards that we carry. God's design is not for us to do life through plastic. Can I get an amen? Most Americans don't have an income problem. They have a spending problem. They have a spending problem. And you might say, oh, you know, we're good. We're we're not paycheck to paycheck. We got a bunch of money. We're living debt free. We're actually comfortable. We're good. You still have a call to stewardship. Just because you have enough money or maybe even a lot of money, there is still a responsibility that comes with what we do with our money. It's one of the basics that God has called us to. Uh, As a pastor, you know, I make decisions about 
what we're going to preach about and what kind of church we're going to have and all these kind of things. And, uh, and so for me, uh, you know, people say, oh, man, don't, don't you just want to have a huge church? Don't you just want to see your church just be huge and reach thousands of people? And all kind of, stuff? Of, of course, if God, if God, that's his plan and he has that for this church and we grow up big, that would be amazing. Or people say, oh, don't you just want to get a huge building and get this amazing building and you could have all this kind of stuff and this building would be amazing. And of course, if that's God's plan, if he's got a building like us for that, that's great. But my desire as a pastor is not to have bells and whistles and flash and flare. My desire as a pastor is to simply have a healthy church. And so for if me to look at these stats and see all the pressure and all the dysfunction and the way that we're spending and living out of greed and living uh, off the way that God has called us to live stewardship, that is not a healthy way to live. So as your pastor, I'm not afraid to say, hey, we got to talk about this today and we're going to get our basics right and we're going to forecast things because Jesus said, hey, you got to be able to tell the times. We got to be able to look at the times, forecast things right and live in a healthy way. Can I get an amen? So the goal of biblical stewardship is not so that we can get rich. The goal of stewarding our lives in a way where we can live debt-free and we can live in a way that we're, we're, we're being all that God called us to do is not so that we can get rich. It's so that we can advance and build his kingdom yeah. so that we can live in a freedom and do what God has called us to do. Uh, I wrote it down like this. What is the more for? I believe there's laws and principles that God put in place that if you do this, you'll see this. But what is the more for? Why would God want to bless you and advance you? It's because he wants you to build his kingdom. He wants us to make a difference. I wrote this down. This is a a great quote uh, from a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It says this. It says, "Our our hearts have room only for one all embracing devotion and we can only cleave to one Lord. Our hearts only have room for one, meaning like the scripture says, you can't serve two masters. You either love one or hate the other. So when you wake up in the day, are you wake up and saying, God, I'm all about you and I'm all about your kingdom and I'm all about your ways. Are we wake up and saying, oh, I got to get today. What can I get? What can I build? What can I achieve? What can I pile up? What can I do? Or is our devotion to him and his kingdom? Martin Luther says it this way. He says that people go through three conversions, the conversion of their head, their heart, and their pocketbook. Unfortunately, not all happen at the same time. There is this there is this leading, there is this changing that happens when we surrender our hearts to God, and it not only includes our head and our heart, but it also should affect our finances. Can I get an amen today? I told you you wouldn't like this sermon, but that's fine. I was gone, and uh, you're going to get used to it. It only gets worse from here. You don't believe me, but it will. You'll see. I'm going to use words like budget and self-control and things like that. <laughs> Proverbs 11.10 says this. It says, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. Isn't that interesting? It says, when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. But when wicked people pass away, there are shouts of joy. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. Why? Because when the righteous people live the way that God has called them to, it changes the city. It makes a difference in the community, and it causes our world to to be joyful. That's God's design for our stewardship. He wants you out of debt because he doesn't want you in that pressure. He wants you living with margin and good stewardship so that it's good on your life, but then it's also good for the community. Can I get amen today? God wants to use you to build his kingdom. So I brought four points today, four choices that we have to make. We all got to choose. My parents, when I was raised, they told us this catchphrase all the time. You win or you lose by the way that you choose. Win or lose the way that you choose. And so I got four choices that we can make when it comes to our resources and our finances right now that I believe if you put these in example, if you put these into play right now, uh, you'll immediately see a difference in your life. Point number one is this. We must choose work 
over wishing. Here's a crazy idea. You got to work for some stuff. If you want to see blessing in your life, you actually got to get to work on some stuff. We have to choose work over wishing. Um, Let me talk to some of the young people in here. Um, Did you know, young people, that work is not a dirty word? I know it's a four-letter word, but it's not a dirty word. Like getting, no, no, pastor, work, work, that's a result of the fall. Adam and Eve messed it up, and now we all got to work. No, the scripture says that Adam and Eve had a job before the fall. He gave them things to do. Why? Because you were created to be somebody who has purpose and is achieving. And the lie that you've believed is like, oh, you don't got to work. You just got to get Mr. Bunny Bags and then you can just be his boo and you don't got to do nothing. No, 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 no. no. God's got purpose. You're laughing because many of you are trying. It's not a result of the fall. I wrote it down like this. This is my example. Uh, I call many of you Snow White Christians. We have two girls Uh, One's going to be 10. The other one is four. And so we watch a lot of Disney princess in our house. And uh, and and I hope that you know this. I have bad news for you. Um, If you had any friends in first service that are friends of yours that were in first service, I hate to tell you this. They're all going to hell. I just got to tell you as a pastor, because none of them knew this song and none of them helped me when it came to singing this song. I'm going to sing a song for you from Snow White. And I need your help in it because if I sing it by myself, my voice is so beautiful, it'd be boasting and all that stuff. I don't want to do that. So if I could get a little bit of help with this, uh, of singing this, not by Daniel, not by Daniel. Yeah, No, he's a Cinderella guy. He's not a Snow White guy. But, uh, yeah. but, uh, but this is Snow White Christians. This is why you're a Snow White Christian. It's because Snow White has this scene in her movie where she gets to the wishing well and she's over this wishing well. And this is where I'm going to need your help in a minute. Hopefully you get it because if you don't, shame on you. But she's over this wishing well and she gets to the wishing well. And she says, I'm wishing. And then the well says, oh, you're good. You're going to heaven. They didn't get it in first. And then she says, for the one I love. And then it repeats it. And then she says, to find me. And they say, find today. And you're like, oh, it's so beautiful. It's such a great song. That's what you Snow White Christians are. You don't work at nothing. You don't steward anything. You wake up all day. I'm wishing for the Lord today to bless me. He's like, well, get to work. Any store you go in, you have to crawl over a now hiring sign. And behind that sign is a sign that says, here's your sign-on bonus. And you're still, I'm wishing for my debt to go away. He's like, well, get a job, get some money and pay off your debt. (laughs) That's what the Bible says. Are you with me? We don't need snow white Christians in this world. We need people uh, that are going to get to some work for some stuff. I I I believe in prayer. I believe in prayer. I think it's actually a pretty good combination. We We should be some people that as much as we are praying for it, we're also working for it. Mark Batterson says it this way, pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you. I don't think there's anything wrong with that kind of combination. We're going to pray and trust God that he's going to move supernaturally on our finances. But at the same time, we're going to get to work on some stuff. Can I get an amen today? It only gets worse from here. So Paul said it this way. Everybody's like, I want him to bring that Steve guy back. We liked him. You're blessed. You're loved. God believes in you. (laughs) That's not me today. You know, I love Steve. He did a great job. Nothing wrong with that. But you're not getting that today. Paul said it this way in 2 Thessalonians 3.10. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. If you don't work, you don't get stuff. 
If you don't work, you can't ask God for things. He wants to see us work and and do things and use our gifts and talents. I know you don't like that verse, but I'll just do it again. Proverbs 14, 23. It says, all hard work brings a profit. All hard work brings a profit. But mere talk leads to poverty, leads to nothingness. Got so many people, you're sitting here pinning. Oh, someday when I get that huge, you're not working, but you're over here pinning. Oh, someday when I get that huge house, I'm going to put this in there and do this in there. Someday, someday, someday. That's all mere talk and it leads to poverty. What you should do is pick up the thing and find a place to get to work because all hard work leads to profit and prosperity. Am I telling the truth today? We got all these people in wishing land and God's saying, hey, if you could, if you could put your hand to the plow and get to work on some things, I could advance you. I know you didn't like that verse, so I brought another one. Proverbs 12, 24 says diligent hands will rule. Another translation of that is, is lead. Diligent hands, people who get out there and work and they steward things and, and they get after stuff. And, and they, those are the people who will rule and be in leadership. But it says, but laziness ends in forced labor. What is forced labor? Forced labor is this. Forced labor is when you have to go to a job that you hate. Forced to go do this job. Why, why do you hate that job? Because you didn't work hard enough to go get the job that you really wanted. It gave up too soon. Forced labor. So laziness leads us into that. Colossians 3.23. This is a lesson my dad taught me. Colossians 3.23. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, not for your boss, not for your... How many in here have had a bad boss before? Why are vertical people raising their hands? What did you say, Daniel? But we've all got these bosses. Oh, so my first job, my first job, I worked in a bakery department at a grocery store. And I was a young kid, 16 years old. And the department manager was uh, a woman who had been in the bakery industry like forever. So just old and mean. And she was like 140 years old. And so big generational gap we had between the two of us. And she was just mean to me. She was mean to me. And so I remember one time telling my dad, uh, my, my job was to, at the end of the bakery day, I would go and I would spray the floors and clean up all the frosting and sprinkles that got on the ground. And then I'd wash off all the donut trays. And I remember telling my dad, like, Dad, this job is the worst. I can't handle this lady. This is ridiculous. Like, I'm just stressing out over all this. I'm like, the work isn't bad, but I was like, the atmosphere is terrible. He's like, well, Josh, what you need to do, you know, I was a church kid, so he's giving me just a good church answer. He's like, well, what you need to do is you go in there and you do that work as if you're doing it under the Lord. It's like, oh, whatever, Dad. Okay. So I go in there and I literally did. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go in here and I'm going to do this work. I'm going to put my hand to the plow and I'm going to work as if I'm doing this under the Lord. But as I begin to do that, I didn't pay so much attention to what was happening with my boss. I began to say, the Lord began to speak to me and show me different ways that I could grow and advance. And so I remember working and thinking, you know, one of the ways that this might get better is if I just learn more about it. So then I asked if I could learn how to do inventory. And believe it or not, I actually asked if I could learn one of the big parts of the bakery department was cake decorating, making cupcakes and things. And so your pastor, believe it or not, I actually have this skill. I can make a rose out of frosting. I was a cake decorator. I'm, I, I have terrible penmanship, but you put a bag in my hand, I can write the fanciest font in the world. <laughs> and so I just was like, hey, I begin to think, how can I learn? How can I advance? How can I do more? I didn't sit here with my arms crossed and this job's stupid. And I said, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe. I'm going to work as if I'm doing it unto you. And, the God, and God led me into some stuff. Can I get an amen? Because it, it matters that we, that we work. Point number two. It's another way that I feel like we can get into financial health. I want you healthy. I want to see us healthy. Point number two is this. You must choose a plan over impulse. 
I told you the sermon only gets worse from here, but choose a plan. You must have a plan over impulse. Here's what impulse means. Impulse is a sudden, strong, or unreflective urge. Unreflective urge means it doesn't reflect any of your actual plans or or thoughts. It just came out of nowhere. Oh, we weren't planning to do this. This wasn't what we thought we were going to do. And all of a sudden we got it. Many of us have bought stuff like that. So you get it home and you got it and you're like, why did I even buy this? This isn't even a part of my plan. I just got this thing. That's an impulsive purchase. Many of us do that. Uh, Proverbs 25, 28 says it this way. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. All your stuff's broken up. You got no plan. You got no defense. You got no structure. That's what a person with no self-control is like. And many of us are spending that way. As a matter of fact, that's how our marketing is pitched to you. Oh, you're going to feel good. You got to get this now. You need this now. This must be in your life now for you to be happy. You're like, I didn't plan on it, but I need this. And so impulsively you go and spend. It actually happened. It's a part of marketing. Uh, When we were in the bakery department, we would make cupcakes and we'd have them set back in the bakery. And when it would get close to their expiration, we'd be like, we got to get these things sold before their shelf life. So all we would need to do to get these things sold was put them on a table and wheel them all the way up to the checkout line. And there you are in checkout line. Cupcakes weren't on your list, but you're waiting in line. You're like, ooh, cupcakes. <laughs> and you bought them all. And we never had to throw any of them out because impulsively you bought yourself cupcakes. It's how marketing works. Think about it. Most of the stuff you buy is sold to you because impulsively you think it's going to help you feel good or do better. Notice when you go to buy a car. You don't go into the car thing and he gets out a piece of paper and he reads you a list of all the things that the car has in it. He says, nah, come over here. Impulsively, why don't you come sit in this and feel how good it feels? You sit in it, it does feel good. And he says, oh, you look good in there too. And then you see the cup holder. Ooh, this cup holder will fit one of my big yetis. This is a good one. I need this. And now impulsively, you've bought yourself a car. You do the same thing with vacations. You get stressed and you're having a hard day. And that little thing pops up in the side of your web browser. And it's like a vacation. And it's like some dude out there. And he's all ripped. And he's tan. And he's in this tropical place drinking a Mai Tai. And we're like, we need to do that. All of a sudden, you're on a vacation for $8,000 you don't have. Same thing with clothes. It was just like, oh, I, you're, I, didn't, I didn't even plan on buying anything. I don't even know why I'm buying clothes at the gas station, but I am. <laughs> impulsively. <laughs> impulsively. My favorite is coffee. I don't drink coffee, so I can get on all you coffee people. People walking through with these $16 coffees. And everybody's like, it's not $16. It is when you buy three a day. <laughs> So you got this $6 coffee, and then you say something like, I, need, I just needed it today. Well, actually, it's the opposite of what you needed. You needed to not buy that and use that money and put it on your debt. Pay down your debt. Anyway, let's keep preaching. Okay. <laughs> Luke 14, 28 says this. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, Everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Scripture's talking about how crazy is it that you would go about doing something without having a plan. I can't believe that you would go through such a huge process and not have a plan, not know your numbers, not know how you're going to finish. It's amazing how many of us go through life, which is a pretty big plan. We go through life and we don't have a plan for it. We don't have a budget for it. We haven't sat down and weighed the cost. I think every person needs to set a budget, no matter your financial situation. You may have a lot, you may have a little, you may be struggling, you need to have a budget. Here's what a budget does. A budget helps you make a financial decision without emotions. It really helps you in the marriage. 
he comes in and says, hey, I'd really like to get this. And she's like, oh, honey, you say, honey, I'd like you to have that too. But the budget says you can't have that. She says, I really want to go buy this. And he, I would love for you to have that too. But the budget's saying no. When you, it's, it's a lot easier. You fight a lot less when you've come together and agreed on a plan. Are you with me? Yeah. You've both agreed, this is the budget. This is what we're spending money on. It, it takes away a lot of fighting. I think you need to have a budget. Most people uh, that I meet with that are in financial struggle, hey, pastor, we're upset. We're in so much trouble. We got all this final stuff. I say, okay, okay, we'll help you. We, we can get you put back on the track. Uh, just bring me your budget. Oh, pastor, we don't have a budget. We, we don't do a budget. We just pay things. Say, Ooh, okay. Well, then do this. Why don't you just go back and kind of write down all the things where you spend money and do some, Oh, we have no idea where we spend money or how we do things, right? And that's why you're in trouble. Because, how do we say it? Planning, failure to plan. There we are. I'm old. I'm 40 in March. Failure to plan, right? Write it down. Failure to plan is planning to fail. I got no budget. I got no thing. Yeah, you're going to fail. So we need to set our structures. Can I get an amen? Point number three is this. We must choose. Again, I told you it keeps getting worse. Point number three is this. You must choose discipline over debt. Discipline over debt. Here's the trouble with credit cards and with debt. Many Americans cannot thrive in their future because they're bound paying for their past. God has so much ahead for them and they have so much for their family and their future, but they're never going to be able to walk in it because they needed something back here so bad. And now they got interest rates on it and things put on top of it and they can't walk in what God has for them. You get into a new place and you say, oh, we got a new place. You know, this is a little bit bigger. You know what we need? We're going to need a new couch. We need to go get a couch. So we run out and we run down to Van Hill, the best furniture place in town. And we go to Van Hill and we get there and we say, oh, I'm going to buy this couch. And we find this nice couch and it's $3,000 and we say, oh, $3,000, we don't have that much money. Let's just charge it because we can afford the minimum payments. And so we just really need that couch right now. So we charge it and we can handle the minimum payments. By the time you're done paying for the couch, you've now bought an $8,000 couch and you've lost this much time in your future. And so you can't walk in the future that God has for you because you're stuck paying for your past. Can I get an amen? That's why Proverbs 22.7 says it this way, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. You're a slave to that debt. You are a slave to those numbers. And the rich get to rule over the poor. Why? Because they get to move into their future and all that God has for them. I wrote it down this way. Debt puts you at a disadvantage. I'm not saying we all got to have our homes paid off. My house is not paid off. I'm not saying we have to all walk perfectly debt-free, but we have to be extremely, extremely diligent and aggressive to getting out of debt. Can I get an amen? Proverbs 13, 7 says it this way. One person pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. That's people who live on credit cards. Then it says this. Another person pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. That's a Dutch person. (laughs) Daniel told me to say that. (laughs) So we're running around. Look at these clothes I got. Look at this stuff. And you charged it all. You're pretending to have that all put together. Pretending, pretending, pretending. We got to be a people who live the way God called us to. So for some of us, we got to cut expenses. We said, well, pastor, where am I going to get the extra money to pay debt? Well, maybe your Friday nights look different. Maybe instead of going out on a date and, and going to a movie or going out to eat and getting appetizers and going to do this stuff, instead, hey, babe, what are we going to do tonight? Tell what we're going to do. We're going to make a payment on a credit card tonight. <laughs> That's what we're doing tonight. It's going to be exciting. 
And that's a joke and, you know, it sounds funny or whatever. But if we can get aggressively, we got to stop paying for our past so that we can walk in the future that God has for us. Amen. Uh, I wrote it down. Uh, I brought 10, 10 ways that I think right now we need to look at the forecast and look at the time that we're living because financially we're living in a time that's different than just two years ago. So some things have changed. Out to eats are different. Everything's different. So there's 10 categories that I brought where I think maybe if you're saying, I do want to get out of debt, I do want to get a little more aggressive getting out of debt. Here's 10 places that I think you can find a little bit of extra money. One is this. Uh, point number one is this. There's some streaming services you can probably eliminate. It's amazing. I'll go over the budget and I'll look at things. I'm like, how are we signed up for 77 streaming services? I don't, I've never even watched a show in Hong Kong. Why do I pay? <laughs> it's the kids on their iPads. But anyway... <laughs> But these streaming services, it used to just be cable bill. Now you got to do the Disney, the Netflix, the Hulu, all these kind of things. All of a sudden, you got a whole bunch of them, and you say, well, I can't give that up right now. I can't give that up right now. This new season's coming out. I, I'm going to miss The Bachelor. Let me tell you how The Bachelor's going to end. It's going to be the most shocking finale you've ever seen, <laughs> and they're not going to stay together. So there you go. You don't even need to watch the next one. But you say, oh, I need all this. I need all this. You don't need all that. What you need to do is stop paying for the past and get yourself ready for the future. Can I get amen? Maybe for a season, another thing you can do is just buy used clothes. Maybe instead of going to the mall and going to the store and paying for things brand new, maybe say, hey, we're really serious about getting out of this season of our life. It's amazing. I'm coaching football for my son in uh, second grade football. And I got these little kids and coming in and, and they're like, they come walking up. They got all the gear. And I'm like, are you like sponsored by Air Jordan? How are you? <laughs> You know, it's okay for a season. Our kid, you know, and then the kids get there and they all just get in the mud. You know, like they're just all in the mud and getting. Maybe for a season for you, your kids, you know, you're buying some thrift store. Maybe the furniture you buy is something that's used. You pick it up on the side of the road as you're driving around if you want. If you see some nice stuff on somebody's porch, just get it at night. Whatever you've got to do. But just, just maybe you do it different. Here's another hard one. Point number three, I think it's something that we should all really be considering more, is uh, eat at home. Like, what can you do to eat at home, uh, to plan on more meals at home? Out to eat is crazy. We're a family of five. You know, we used to be able to go to Culver's for 20 bucks. Now it's like 80, three easy payments of $88 to go to Culver's. <laughs> <laughs> out to eat is crazy. And from the things that I'm reading and, and looking into, uh, I think it's going to only continue to go up, I think, over the next couple months. And so uh, the nice thing, as I listed there, if you eat at home, you can eat a little bit healthier. You can just do a little bit better uh, with your eating at home. This is a crazy 1.4 uh, is a huge one. Pack your own lunch. Look at this stat. They say that if you packed your lunch for your entire work life, you would save $127,000 in the lifespan of your career. If you pack your own lunch every single day, uh, you would save that much money. Now, here's a little thing that you don't know, guys. If your wife is the one who makes the lunch for you, you actually owe her the 127. So maybe pack your own lunch. But think about that. You got your $6 coffee on the way in. And you're grabbing an out-to-eat lunch. And if you add all that up by the end of the month, Scripture tells us that we are called to number our days and spend them accordingly. I think that also goes with our finances. If you knew how much you spent on your out-to-eat lunches and your $6 coffees, uh, you might be surprised. So that leads me to my next point, no more fancy coffee. Uh, if you're trying to get out of debt, <laughs> that point went over great in first service too. I was like, but what are some of the drink? I, I remember uh, I was doing a budget with somebody and uh, we're going over like their groceries and whatever. They're like, oh, we drink a ton of soda. We drink like three cubes of soda a week, uh, the 24 packs or whatever. And I was like, you realize that's like almost 30 bucks, you know? And, and so it's like, what are some of the drinks? What are some of the expenses that, that you're like, we have to have? No, you don't have to have because you want to get into your future and you want to get out of paying for your debt. Are you with me? Yeah. Uh, another one that is pretty interesting, uh, they say that people save more money 
if they stick to a grocery list. So this is a discipline. We're, we're, we're doing discipline, not debt. You go into the grocery store with your grocery list, stick to the grocery list. My, Jess won't even let me go to the grocery store anymore with her. We go to the grocery store with the kids. The kids have like 17 boxes of fruit snacks. I'm like, get every character. Yeah, we'll try them all. That'd be awesome. Let's do it. If you can stick to the grocery list, you'll save money. Uh, that Some of like Meyer and some of them else, they'll let you do your groceries online and then just go pick them up. You can skip all that impulse. And so discipline is important. Another one is maybe find cheaper hobbies. Uh, I love to golf and there's different things we do and people like to travel and go to concerts and do all this kind of stuff. Uh, maybe you need to find a cheaper hobby for a season where you're not spending that much money on that and you're doing play cards, do a puzzle, do something like that and, uh, and find a cheaper hobby. Uh, here's another one. Point number eight is maybe for a season you share a car. Uh, Jess and I did this for many years, actually. Even when we planted this church, we weren't making a salary from the church, so we shared a car. I mean, I was literally like a, like a little boy. She would like bring me to work. It's like, bye, babe. Thanks for dropping me off. You'd come here at the end of the day. I was sitting on the curb waiting. She's coming to pick me up. Like, where are you? She's like, I'm getting my nails done. I'm like, what? I thought we were saving money. Why you're on the curb? But share a car. You know, many people working from home, there's different things you can do to share a car, and uh, that's a great resource. Here's a huge one that every single person in this room should do. Uh, number nine, sell your cat. If you have a cat, <laughs> sell the cat. Yeah, sell your cat. Get that cat sold. <laughs> Make some money. There's nothing good that comes with cats. I've actually heard cats are trending. Cats are trending in a popular thing, but we don't have time to talk about that today. And then my last point, uh, point number 10, some of you maybe get a side hustle. If you've got to run drugs or do something like that, you just got to get a... <laughs> Kidding about that, kidding about that. Um, But maybe for a season, you sit down with your family and you say, hey, look, we really want to get out of debt. We we really want to get in a different financial situation. So for six months, maybe the holiday season or something like that, like we're really going to aggressively work. We believe that God is going to bless us if we make some sacrifices for a season. We're going to tackle this aggressively so we can live the way that God has called us to. Uh, Maybe you do that. And and again, we're thankfully living in an economy where you can find jobs. You can go and get a place where you can make a little extra. So that's something to consider. I'll close with this. And uh, this is my last point. Point four is this. We choose generosity over greed. We live in a culture right now that says you, 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 do you. It's all about you, build you, I this, I that. We are a people who are called to live with generosity over greed. What is the more for? The more is so that we can bless people, not acquire. God's design for us is to think this way. What and who can I bless, not what can I acquire? God is not against you having stuff. He's against stuff having you. That's why Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will themselves be refreshed. When we live generously and we sow into others and we meet the needs of other people, not only does it bless them, but it refreshes us. And we can't do that if we're bound by debt and if our, our stewardship is out of alignment. Uh, find other ways to bless people. We're generous over greed. Maybe you think of somebody and you buy them a gift. Maybe you think of somebody and when you're in a good financial situation, maybe you can bring them the $6 coffee. Uh, Maybe it's time that you can bless people with. Help them move. Make them a a meal. Help clean a house. Do something like that. But generosity over greed is the way that God has called us to live. And here's why. 2 Corinthians 9.11 says it this way. You will be enriched in every way, not for yourself, but it says so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, Your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. It goes back to my first scripture. 
when we are enriched and we become generous, the result of that is thanksgiving to God. The city rejoices because people at Vertical Church have stewarded their resources well and they're able to be a blessing and be generous. That's God's design. And that's one of the basics that he has for our life. Amen. So hopefully some of these tips can help you. And, and, and again, we got to forecast it. We always got to be looking and changing, especially if you're a young person in here. You say, I don't make any money anyway. I only work a few hours. That's the perfect time to figure out your structure before the bills come in life. And so get it worked out. You'll have a huge advantage uh, versus other people at your age. Amen. All right, let me pray for you and we'll jump out of here. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your word and your truth. Lord, I pray that you help us do it and live it. In Jesus name. Amen.